The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast on the Nick and Roy channel. Subscribe and share. James Azikoff in the 18th century invented what? If you're experiencing gymnophobia, what exactly is happening to you? I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we scour the internet for information you really don't need, or do you? So join us this week as we talk a little bit about sex, a little bit of history, a little bit of science. We'll even up the mailbag. Hello and welcome. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. By listening once a week, you get smarter than you think. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Well, hello there, and welcome once again to the Totally Useless Information Podcast. You know what happens at this time? It happens when you get a little sexy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You turn down the candles. Actually, it's a bright day today, but it's okay. Bow, wow. Bow, wow. Bow, wow. Oh, yeah. All about sex. Oh, yeah. Totally. Useless Information Podcast. And because we have to do this so for legal reasons, we have to tell you about this this way. The following segment of the Totally Useless Information Podcast may be too sultry and too sexy for some <laughs> listeners. To the rest of you, please keep your hands where we can see them. Nick and Roy are not responsible for any monkey business as a result of this segment. Match.com, you know the dating site Match.com? No. Quite successful. <laughs> in 1993, Gary Kremen saw potential, uh, some potential in online dating, but the rest of the world wasn't ready for it. But you know what? He created Match.com anyway. And what he did was he got everyone in the office to create a profile on the site, including his then-girlfriend. This trick helped the company grow to a great number of users. His girlfriend, however met another man on the site and left him for this other man. Which was okay because he could just hook himself into the site. No, but here's what Gary says. That's okay. Although it was painful, at least I know the site does work. This is scary. Is this the food section? No, no, it's it's sex. sex. Oh, I thought it was the food section. Well, I'm going to give you an ingredient list. For semen, citric acid, amino acid, fructose, enzymes, phosphochlorine, prostaglandin, potassium, and zinc. That is an ingredient list for semen based on a uh, 2,000 calorie diet per day. (laughs) (laughs) No artificial colors or flavors. I'll give you my teaser. Gymnophoria. Gymnophoria is the sense that someone is mentally undressing you. Mm-hmm. You get that feeling, right? Or that a person is viewing you with no clothes on. I get that feeling a lot when I'm around women. They they yeah. tend to 
do that with me, and it is uncomfortable. It makes me feel like a piece of meat. You suffer from gymnophobia. I know, I do. I, I feel it constantly. It's upsetting to me. Okay. This gives me hope, Nick, what I'm about to discuss. It gives me hope. The most common reason for abstaining from sex for teenagers, the most common reason. Now, I would have thought pregnancy, STDs, whatever. 38% of females and 31% of males say it violates their religious belief. Wow. They say this. This is a very high percentage to say that religious belief. So there's hope for the world. There is. There is. Impotence was a crime in France at one time. You know, you love the, everyone knows you love the French people. Oh, you got to love the limp French. Impotence was a crime. In the 1500s, women could actually charge their husbands with impotence. Hmm. He would have to come to court and he would have to become erect and prove that he can ejaculate in the courtroom. If he failed, he could demand a trial by Congress and attempt to have sex with his wife in front of experts. Hmm. So he'd literally have to come to court. Yes. But in most cases, according to some more research I found here, in most cases, the judges ordered a mistrial due to a well-hung jury. <laughs> the French are out of their minds. Their bread is good, and their fries are good. Thank God Heidi Klum's German. 14% of men say that they let the women take the lead during sex. 14% of men say they let their... Women, wives, spouses, whatever, take the lead during sex. Yeah, sure. And 90% of married men say that they wear the pants. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. So if you're wearing the pants, you're not having sex. Yes. And, and what, what, is it, what was the percentage again about who's leading? 14% of men say that they allow the woman to take the lead during sex. Right. Of course it is. Who else is going to hold the leash? Bow, chicka, bow, wow. Chicka, bow, wow. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. Chicka, bow, wow. Oh, yeah. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. A equals nothing. It's science, science, science. If you'd like to get a hold of us, simply send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. Don't send us the stupid emails because we're going to get into mailbag later. Oh, you got a stupid one? Yeah, they, 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 come on, folks. You're wasting your time to send us an email. We want some juicy good stuff. All of my science facts today have to do with weather sayings. For example, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. A reddish sunset means the air is dusty and dry. And since weather in North America latitude usually moves from west to east, a red sky at sunset means dry weather, which is good for sailing, is moving east. Conversely, a reddish sunrise means that dry air from the west has already passed over us on their way, clearing the way for a storm to move in. That's, uh, that's useful information. You want to hit the button? Every once in a while, I have to dust it up. I have to look for it. There it is. <laughs> couldn't find it with all the dust on it yeah very yeah. rare that we use that just for the record the sun is not a ball of fire in fact it's not on fire at all 
It's a ball of plasma that has a nuclear process. It's a nuclear fusion process turning hydrogen into helium. So it's not even on fire. It's not a ball of fire. So I don't want people to say that anymore. It's hydrogen and helium? No. It, the fusion, the nuclear fusion that creates the energy that gives us the light from the sun is turning hydrogen into helium. So if the sun could talk, it would talk really like this. Either that or it would just be full of a lot of hot air. <laughs> That's right. Ring around the moon, rain real soon. That's the expression, the weather expression, ring around the moon, rain real soon. A ring around the moon usually indicates an advancing warm front, which means precipitation. I feel like I should have like one of those weather maps behind me. There's a warm front coming in. Mm -hmm. Under those conditions, high, thin clouds get lower and thicker as they pass over the moon. Ice crystals are reflected by the moon's light, causing a halo to appear, which means rain real soon. Ready for this one? Human mm -hmm. DNA, 99.9% of human DNA is the same from one human to another. 99.9%. The 0.1% in the DNA that is different is what makes you, you. Otherwise, we are 99.9% .9 the same. Now get ready for this one. That's crazy enough. We share 50% of our DNA with a banana. What? You heard me. No monkeying around here. 40% no. for an orange. <laughs> no, but can you imagine that? 0 0.1 is what differs from human to human. Otherwise, 99.9% is the same. We're the same. Yes. Awesome. When clouds appear like towers, the earth is refreshed by frequent showers. I wish some people I knew were like that. When mm -hmm. cloud appears like towers, the earth is refreshed by frequent showers. When, when you spy large white clouds that look like cauliflower or castles in the sky, it sounds like a song, doesn't it? Yeah. Cauliflowers and castles in the sky. Cauliflower or castles in the sky. There's probably lots of dynamic weather going on inside. Innocent clouds look billowy, like billowy cotton, right. but the clouds start to swell and take a gray tint that's probably turning into a thunderstorm, so watch out. When the clouds appear like towers, the earth is refreshed by frequent showers. Yeah, wish some people would take showers, yeah. What is white light? White light. If you were to take a prism, think about this. You've all seen the Pink Floyd uh, album cover with the prism. There's white yes. light shining into the prism, and of course it comes out like a rainbow. Which makes everyone happy! If you reversed a prism and put all the colors of the rainbow together at one time, it makes white light. So white light is a combination of all the colors of the spectrum of the rainbow. So what's better? A rainbow? We're just putting it all together in white light, which which is actually a cool thing to think about. So basically all the white light around us, does that make rainbows around us all the time? I don't know. I'm looking for the castles in the sky. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. A equals nothing. It's science, science, science. 
We hope you're enjoying the Totally Useless Information podcast, not only on audio platform. We're now on a video platform on the Nick and Roy channel on YouTube. Hey, let's go back in mm -hmm. time. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. What happens tomorrow is history. Here's another shot, Anderson right in. He scores! Anderson! What happens the day after that is history. A swing and a belt. Left field, way back. Blue Jays win it. I guess every day is uh, history. Yeah. So you go first. What do you got in your history fact? Clark's Dorp Spears. I guess it's what? Spheres. Spheres, not Spears. Clark's spheres. Dorp Spheres. Yes. I don't. I know nobody knows what the hell that is, but that's what this show is all about, folks. Clark's Dorp Spheres are stones that were found near. Otisdal, South Africa. They have all those Dutch names. Otisdal, Otisdal, South Africa. They were stones, circular stones found. They have markings on them, and nobody knows what they are. They're unexplained markings. What's really freaky is the stones are three billion years old. They're from the original startings of the universe. Three billion years ago clerks dorp spheres freaky yeah <laughs> and uh hey if you want to get your rocks off find out how old they are a clash of kings so if you remember a deck of playing cards you have the four suits of kings right mm -hmm. the four suits of kings in a traditional deck of cards actually represent historical kings largely the kings are thought to be king david of israel as the king of spades Alexander the Great is the king of clubs, Charlemagne is the king of hearts, and neither Augustus or Julius Caesar as the king of diamonds. That that could be read as like, you know, as if they were starring in like a movie or something. King David of Israel as the king of spades, Alexander the Great as the king of clubs, Charlemagne is the king of hearts, and neither Augustus or Julius Caesar as the king of diamonds. Winston Churchill. You've seen pictures of Winston Churchill. He always has a cigar in his mouth. Yes. Why? Because the man smoked eight to ten full cigars a day. What? Yeah, th think about this. They call the cigar a Churchill. The big ones. They're called a Churchill. Okay? Okay. Because he always had this big cigar, big-ass cigar sticking out of his mouth. Do you know how long I smoke cigars? Do you know how long it takes to smoke a Churchill, full-size Churchill cigar? It takes a long time. How did this guy, he must have been up like 18 or 19 hours a day to smoke 10 of those son of a bitches. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> smoke them if you got them. There you go. The old Winston. Uh, I can't find my coffee mug. Do you know where it is? Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't lose your head over it because the extremely goth Britons of the Ice Age commonly used... Old human skulls as cups. What? The new evidence comes from Goff's Cave in the Cheddar Gorge in Somerset, where thousands of tourists flock each year to hike along the cliff tops and eat 
local cheese. I guess that's why they call it the Cheddar Gorge. Mm -hmm. During excavations at the cave in the 1920s and now between 1987 and 1992, most recently, archaeologists found numerous prehistoric human bones, including several skulls. Human skulls were used as cups as long as you're not using them. I just lost my head trying to find one. Could you imagine the guy saying, hey, I want more head on my beer? (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. That's crazy. So they would take a skull and use it as a cup. That's right. Cool. That's cool. During the Great Depression. This is a cool one, too. During the Great Depression, people often made clothes out of flour sacks. They were so poor that when they finished the flour, they'd use the sack to make like a dress for little girls and so on or or make shirts and so on and so forth. Distributors got smart. The flour companies got smart and started putting nicer colors and designs on their flour bags. That's where the designs come from. Otherwise, they would have just said Joe's flour. But no, they started doing that so that the women would say, get that flour because it's got the nicer bag. And thus, like T-shirts with, there with you go. designs on them, that's the first ones right there. It's advertising that went on to clothes. So they used the cooler-looking flower bags to make the clothes. Really cool. That's how that was born. <laughs> and, of course, all the girls wore the first ever flower dresses. Oh, yeah, yeah. The flower children, the hippie, the hippie tree-hugging hippies. Uh, King Tut. You remember King Tut? Oh, I remember him well. We hung King out. King Tut. Listen, I'll tell you who else hung out. I King Tut's his, parents. I knew, Nick, I knew his mummy, too. Hold on. Speaking of his mummy, his parents were closely related, like really close, like his mother and father were actually siblings. What? A marital arrangement that was not uncommon for Tutankhamun among the ruling classes at the time. King Tut's mummy was probably his aunt. Some experts disagree, however, and say his parents were actually cousins, because that makes it much better. I guess every day is a history. Yeah. Totally yeah. useless information podcast. Wow, that's weird. Mummy. His mummy was actually his, his Hi, aunt. mummy. <laughs> so if you would like to get a hold of us, and some people have, TUI podcast at Outlook.com. Some people have, and look what we have. What's in the mailbag today? Who sent the letter anyway? What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? I'll tell you who sent the letter. Ooh, Harry. Harry from North Carolina. Hello, Harry. Harry, you call your show, he writes, you call your show a podcast. So when I was reading this, I was like, oh boy, here we go. You call your show a podcast? (laughs) No, but Harry says, you call your show a podcast. Who invented the podcast? He says, if you guys are so smart, who invented the podcast well harry you're a little agitated okay because why did you have to say if you guys think you're so smart we never said that no so i don't know where you got that from no harry 
Harry, you, you need to chill a little. You're probably pent up in the house. <laughs> yes. This one is for you. I, I would assume Harry is probably in his 70s or 80s. By the way, he says, her and Brandon the podcast. This is a good one. In 2004, a former MTV DJ named Adam Curry. Nick, we know the name Adam Curry. And a software developer named Dave Weiner wrote a program called the iPodder for uh, Apple. It was called the iPodder, and it enabled him to automatically download internet radio for broadcast. And it was called the iPodder, and the podcast was born in 2004 by Adam Curry, the DJ from MTV. There you go, Harry. It's all you now. Okay, send us another one. We appreciate it. Mailbag for me. Jim from Glendale, Arizona writes, Dear Nick and Roy, Mm. our family loves your podcast. We look forward to every Thursday for your new episode. So thank you. Yes, we... Have a, we release a new episode every Thursday. I love my wife very much. He thinks, he thinks he wrote to like Dear Abby, Dear Nick and Roy for like advice. I love my wife very much, but one of the things that drives me up a tree is her constant flatulence. Oh. So it had me thinking, where did the expression cut the cheese come from? Cut the cheese, which is flatulence, yes. Right. Apparently Harry's wife suffers from this, poor thing. This idiom refers to the foul smell emitted by some cheeses, many of which have a rind that keep the odor in. Once the rind is pierced, as in cutting a slice of the cheese, the smell is released. So, Jim, to give you a better understanding, let me conjugate the verb to cut, okay? To cut the cheese. In the third person singular simple present, cuts the cheese. In the present participle, it's cutting the cheese. Simple past and past participle, it's cut the cheese. So to use it in the sentence, hey, who cut the cheese? Wow, who knew that there were so many conjugated verbs for farting? What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Totally useless information podcast. We talk way too so, much about urine and farting, and those are natural things that uh, you know that happens. But I think, do we just come up with this, or do we invent it? We invent it. Innovation, ideas. The totally useless information podcast presents inventions. Everyone knows cut and paste because you do it all the time. You're writing an email and you cut and paste. Well, does anybody know who invented? Excuse it? me. Well, let me introduce you to. Excuse me one yes. second. One second, please. Yes. Cut, like cut the cheese. No, 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 not cut the cheese. We're done with cutting. This is cut and paste like on your computer. Okay? No, no. This That doesn't stink. Cutting and pasting doesn't stink. We hope. Uh, Larry Tesla is responsible for that. He was a computer scientist who worked at Xerox, Amazon, Yahoo, and Apple. So his most wow. famous invention, the cut and paste command, was reportedly based on an old method of editing in which people would physically cut portions of printed text and glue them elsewhere. The command was incorporated in Apple's software on the Lisa computer in 1983, and the original Macintosh was then released the following year. So they tested it out on the Lisa computer in 83, a year before the Macintosh was released. For the record, I cut and paste this information on my sheet. I got news for you. The word cut and paste comes from, they, were, they never used glue or paste. 
It was wax, literal wax, clear wax. And the machine had two rollers on it. And then you mm -hmm. placed the paper through the rollers and the rollers were designed so that the bottom roller put the wax on the bottom of the sheet so that when you cut it, the wax would stick to the paper and not the, and the reason they used wax instead of glue is because you had to make them straight. So it might not have been perfectly straight. So you used your little X-Acto knife, picked it up, straightened it, and then pushed it back down again. When you were completely done, you'd take a roller across all the text to make sure that it was stuck down. I know that was a long-winded answer, but that was called waxing a board. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Did you sniff glue before you told us that? The flask tie. The flask tie. This is a real thing. The flask tie. Okay. Okay. You can actually buy this. I don't suggest you buy it because it's a good way to lose your job or maybe get lose your driver's license. But the flask mm -hmm. tie has a little bladder inside of the tie portion, and you can fill okay. it with liquor. In fact, you can fill it with eight ounces of liquor, which is a couple of shots. It was invented by Stephen Anthony, okay, who had plenty of time to. Uh, invent this when he lost his license i guess for drunk driving so he was home a lot and he no but he actually invented the tie flask what was on his mind really he was like well i'm at work and i'm just fiddling around with my tie oh geez let's fill it with liquor <laughs> That's right. uh the tv dinner at the time it was introduced televisions were a status symbol and a growing medium the name tv dinner sounded like the product was made for convenience well guess what it was Who's responsible? The Swanson brothers, Gilbert and Clark Swanson, came up with the concept of the TV dinner while their marketing and advertising teams developed the name and design of the product. Betty Cronin, a bacteriologist who was also working for the Swanson brothers at the time, also worked on the project, taking on the technical challenge of composing a dinner in which all the ingredients took the same amount of time to cook, mm. which was quite you know, challenging because the meat's a little bit thicker and then maybe the vegetables would uh, would cook before the, the meat did. So she had to synchronize. It was Instead of synchronized swimming, it was synchronized cooking as a new Olympic sport. It must look very company, pretty when you take the wrapper off and watch it in the microwave. It must look very pretty like... Dun, da, 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 dun. That's right. <laughs> yes, the Blue Danube was playing. Da, 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 bum, bum. The first company to use the name and successfully market the TV dinner was Swanson. Cool. Well, that makes sense because everybody knows Swanson TV dinners. Okay. Right. So, I mean, going with that, who invented the sewing machine, Nick? Some guy named Singer. If you say the word Singer, you would be wrong. Everybody, I did this with my wife last night. Who invented the sewing machine? Everybody's going to say Singer. But it wasn't. It was Elijah Howe. In 1846, he invented it. In fact, September 10th, Elijah threaded his way into history. <laughs> <laughs> A radio-controlled lawnmower. Okay, these people were way ahead of their time. In the 1950s, a gadget, a gadget emerged that allowed people to sit back and relax as their garden was trimmed by a radio-controlled lawnmower. Mm -hmm. This ingenious lawnmower, which traveled around the two miles per hour, was first displayed to the public in Britain at the Chelsea Flower Show in 1959. 
Members of the royal family, including the Queen and Prince Philip, took an interest in the gadget during their visit to the show. Sound familiar? Rumba? Anyone? Okay, no. Listen, Nick. This will give you an idea how ridiculous the English are. They're only topped by the French. But the English, think about this. You're sitting on your porch with a nice uh, banana daiquiri or whatever the hell, mint julep. You're sitting there, and it's a jolly old day in England, and you're mowing the front of the lawn. What do you do? Have to follow it to the back? Because you can't see where the hell you're driving if it's in the back unless it had a video camera, which I'm sure it didn't at that time. You know what I call the remote control for a ride-on mower? The steering wheel. <laughs> yes. Okay. I got one here. Now I had to, I'm sorry, I had to get upset. Here's my teaser. James Azakoff in the 18th century invented something. Hold on, he should see a doctor. Oh, James yeah. Azakoff. Sure, sure. His cousin, James Azasneeze. <laughs> <laughs> and his sister, Harriet Vomit. <laughs> where, where did we go wrong? Where did we make oh. the I don't know, about six and a half months ago. <laughs> Where did we make the left? No. Okay, so James Azikoff in the 18th century invented something that changed our lives forever. It changed the way we see things. He invented the sunglasses. In the 18th century, he decided to put a blue or a green tint. He thought that putting the tint on the glasses would make your eyes see better he had nothing, he had no thoughts of the sun or anything like that. He just thought that putting a blue or a gray tint on the glasses would help your eyes see. So he did it. And then his wife called him outside and said, why aren't you using that robotic thing to do the lawn? And he looked up at the sun and said, gee, usually when people look at the sun, they sneeze. Except for this guy, he looks up at the sun and as a cough. Innovation. Ideas. Inventions. It flies. Subscribe on YouTube and every Thursday we'll come out with a new episode for you with some more interesting tantalizing things and maybe some other funny sex stuff like French people, which I'm still thinking about, which is really scary. Objection. 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 Overruled. <laughs> Say goodbye to the people. Hey, goodbye, people. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.